man, you guys ever uh, you ever get sick? I'm always in the process of being sick. You ever put? Um, I'm always making up something to be sick about. You ever put Alka Seltzer in your whiskey? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my god. You're actually putting Alka-Seltzer in your whiskey. I saw you get day and night cold relief Alka-Seltzer tonight. Did you just put nighttime or daytime in that whiskey? One of each. It's like when, wow. <laughs> when I used to drop uh, Ritalin into my Mountain Dew because I thought that it would you know, hype them both up and make it Did you really effective. do that? Yeah. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Does it double it or does it half it or does it? it just made me real it, sick. <clears throat> yeah, wow. I mean, it's just Ritalin is going to dwarf the effects of coffee. Yeah. Like... I gotta drink this. But I thought the logic, weird. you know, the logic Dude, back in the day. Dude, that amount of whiskey is gonna burn you in the speed that it takes oh, to drink Alka Seltzer. Oh, it's weird God. that that that's the drink. Oh that's God, I know dissolved. That's the drink that makes me want to drink again, right there. <laughs> Alka Seltzer whiskey. That, that's one hell of a cocktail. Oh, that was like a chewable Alka Seltzer. You gotta do that faster. It just fills your whole mouth up with froth. Alka Seltzer is my favorite drug in the world. It's like <laughs> a warm blanket. I yeah. believe that I'm gonna be okay every time I have Alka Seltzer. It's comforting. And that's the first step towards feeling better. <laughs> You gonna be able to do this thing? I don't know. Let's find out. Let's find out. You got Alka Seltzer in you. Oh Lord! Oh Lord! Welcome to a perfectly acceptable <laughs> podcast by the Comics Place, episode 130. It's a good one. Yeah. I can't wait to get to 131, though. Because well, you won't be sick anymore? <clears throat> God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I won't remember this one, though. That's for sure. Uh, every week, we get a bunch of comics at the Comics Place, grab them from UPS, check them in, sort them, pull them for our customers, bring them downstairs, put them in their files. Then we go to our respect, respectable quiet places. Respectable? Uh, respective. Respective. Our, our respective quiet places, and we read them. Uh, then we... Where was your quiet place this week? Uh, well, I had some on my couch, some on my toilet, and some on my bed. In my bed. Mm. In my bed. In my bed. Uh, <laughs> then we come back here into the upstairs sanctum sanctorum. We made it the back. penthouse in the sky. Yeah. The pap house. The pap to nope. porn. Nope. Not not a valid not a valid acronym. Hey everybody, Django's really sick and it's pretty cute. He hit a wall today. <clears throat> just hit a wall. Um and it's I'm just sitting across from him looking at him and he's he's just his jowls he's like droopy, that dog droopy. Listen, I, I hit the wall, but I backed up and I ran at it again and I'm I'm hitting it again right about now. I hit the wall and the Wall one. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, episode 130. Uh, got a good, good stack of books. We're going to engage in a variety yeah. of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the shop that we know, love, and work at, uh, the books that we read and loved, and the comings and goings of our lives. I've heard that before somewhere. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Flash number 70. We're going to talk about Eve Stranger number one. Wonder Twins number four. We love you, Mark Russell. Ice Cream Man number... 12 mm-hmm. 
You just put two fives and two twos up, and I figured out that you meant twelve. Yeah, I did that wrong, and I only realized that now. <clears throat> yeah, we're we're uh, connected at the brain. Yeah, we sure are. Uh, the final issue for now of Murder Falcon number eight. Really? Uh, These Savage Shores number four, Excellence number one, and Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man featuring Spider Bite number six. Nice. Great work, Django. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really go take good. a nap, guys. That yeah, was, you're. That, that was you're a lot. Doing very well, though. I'm Jeff, and I'm just happy to have my boys and my keep. I'm like Ragman. I got personalities I can pull out. I'm Django, and this Alka-Seltzer lozenge, lozenge isn't very much like a lozenge. No, you just ate a puck of Alka-Seltzer. Uh, you're pucked up, buddy. Pucked up. I'm Justin. If Jeff is Ragman, I'm crazy quilt. Mmm. Is that the name of his quilt, or is that a That's another guy. Character? Yeah, that's Jason Todd's first villain. That he had really? Fight. Yeah, crazy quilt. Oh, my gosh, you guys, we got to do this job. We've got this job. A couple professionals, a couple real <coughs> class acts here to talk about some books. Flash number 70 by Joshua Williamson, art by Howard Porter. Uh, who... Was it? Yeah, but they both got credit for storytelling, right? I think that's just kind of a progressive trend in comics to identify the artist as a storyteller. Okay. Okay. This is the secret origin of the Red Zipster. (laughs) So this is his origin starts here, chapter one of year one. I guess my big question while reading this was, do we we need this? Man. And that is a very different thought from how much I enjoyed it. But the whole thought the whole time was like, when was there the last Flash origin? I mean, Rebirth? Not, not yeah, Rebirth. Flash I mean, Rebirth. Flash by Jeff Jones a while back. Yeah. yeah. And was, yeah. Right? And that wasn't as much of an origin. That was like Barry Allen coming back and everything. But there was a Flash Rebirth. Maybe it was Rebirth. There was like a Flash origin by Jeff Johns. This Do year ones mean anything in the era of like four-year-long reboots, like the universe only lasts four years. You I know? guess that's like, sort of my question. Was, But Joshua Williamson has been writing this through all of Rebirth. He's written 70 issues of The Flash, which is a longer Flash run than we've had anybody do in quite a while. Yep. If not ever, right? Yeah, I mean, up there. Um, and so I thought he's a pretty good mark for it, and I wasn't really sure what this was as I was reading it, but we are getting an origin story for The Flash, and it follows it for the most part, like it's been told before, and they make good usage of his partner, who becomes uh, Godspeed more. at the beginning of Rebirth. But this ends in a very, very different spot. This has a really cool ending. <clears throat> I really like the art in yeah. this. And there are so many panels. And that's... The big thing to me was the art. Like, I yeah. finished reading it, and I ordered four more for the store, because I just think that if you're at all casually interested in The Flash or you've wanted to get on The Flash, this is the perfect spot to do it because it's well-written, but I think the art is gorgeous. It's my favorite Howard Porter stuff I've seen, you know, since Grant Morrison's JLA stuff. Yeah, this this has a very different style than his his older work. And it's kind of, I can't really put my finger on it, but it's unlike anybody else's as well. Like, it's busy, there's thick lines, I think the paneling's great, it's flashy. Oh. oh. <laughs> it's like if Bill Willingham was a little more... Uh, had a little more realism to me. Is he the is he the writer? Does he do the art and writing in Fables? 
He, he's done art. Okay. He's also done writing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, this is like move over nine panel grid. This whole comic is a 16 panel grid. Yeah, on that first or page. based on a 16 got panel four grid. Four by four panels, 16 panels, giant shot of the flash. And two of those panels are junk. And I mean junk. Oh, like, yeah. Of the 16 are. panels, two of them are flash <clears throat> talk. I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't know exactly what's going on down there, but. Where's this flash? Yeah, talk? I know. Exactly. Page one, baby. Where's he flashing? Page one. But. I, I really liked it. I liked it a lot. I never considered how many shoes he would go through. I know. They did some really yeah. fun new stuff for some oh, really yeah. basic things that the Flash would be about. Where did he get his shoes budget? Like that's his what I that's a great question. His Flashcock. It's interesting to see just immediately the time travel aspect of Flash thrown into it. You know, he's escaping something. He's, he's testing out his new cool shoes, and he just ends up in the future being attacked, and we got an old Barry <laughs> Allen. Roman was like, oh, it makes sense. DC's making a player for the old man Flash books. You know, like, sure. old man Marvel's doing it, so why don't we do it? And But I think it, it it's done well. And honestly, anything with this art, like, I just take it a degree more seriously than it's been done before. This is my favorite yeah. art of the whole series for the Flash Rebirth stuff. Colors, too. It reminds yeah. me of, the begi- like, a better version of the beginning art of the... First couple yeah, and he may years. have even done the beginning, but this is just a way be- like a bigger step up. Yeah, it's cleaner for sure. I think the scene of like the red and yellow panels interspliced on the sixteen panel grid of like the cop people trying to rescue him after he spoilers get struck by lightning. Oh yeah, the ketchup and mustard page. Yeah, I think <laughs> I like that like it. it would it did a really good job of sort of flashing you into that scene and passing out and giving you text and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like a, a good book to start the week off on. I really dug it. I think that it's going to be definitely worth uh, following up on. And I think The Flash is a really one of my favorite characters. I'm really interesting, but he's a character that I don't feel like there is generally comics as strong as I like him to be, if that makes sense. Well, and to have a story that we all know pretty well uh, land with us this strongly, yeah. is, that's, that's pretty impressive. And... Like I've I've read a handful of Josh Williamson books, I, I've never really thought that they were my favorite thing. But For this, sure. this was a really solid comic this week. Yeah, he uh, he he brought the game to the party. Yeah, no, I totally agree. He's never I've never walked away from a Joshua Williamson book and thought that was good. But what else has he done? I could see myself. For several months, telling people to read this book. So yeah. I think that if you have any interest in the Flash, Flash Year One issue number seventy uh, is. <clears throat> really worth checking out. I, I hope a lot of people dig this. How I, many pairs of shoes do you get? Um, I give this one... So this is a week of high numbers for me, folks. I like to be a big old raggedy butt, but uh, or lately I do, and we'll toss out some fours and stuff, but I got spoilers, uh, uh, some good good numbers here. I don't um, read fours. <laughs> uh, I just tell myself I'm doing it wrong if I'm evaluating it as a four, and I find the six in it. Uh... <laughs> But I'd give this one an eight, and a lot of that's on the art, but the story I think is is really well done, but I really was pumped to be looking at every page in this book. I, man, I think I got to give it an eight too. I was leaning towards a seven and a half, but flipping through it again, I liked it even more. Yeah, those two panels of flash junk are great. Yeah. Uh, you know, we forgot to say something. What's that? Spoilers. Spoilers. Our spoilers this week are sponsored by Alka-Seltzer. Alka-Seltzer tablets. Thank you for keeping us safe, strong, and ready to take on the day. They With go that in your new mouth. whiskey flavor. <laughs> they go in your mouth. And they come out your burps. Yeah, sure. Shirts. Shirts. 
Let's hear a little bit about Eve Stranger number one, my two wonderful counterparts. I don't know about you, Justin, but this was the first comic I read this week. It was the first comic I read this week, too. Did you like it? I did. Um, I w- Justin was a little confused at first, and then I realized I think that's the point. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like Memento meets... Um, Mentos. Sure, yes, and... It's like your first memory of a Mento. It's it's like Memento versus Jason Bourne, with a girl in the lead mm-hmm. who kicks ass okay. and like has to leave herself a note every time she like every time she completes a mission. She's got like a week between missions. She wakes up in a hotel room with a note to herself explaining, "Hey, you're not going to remember much, uh, but you got to do these things. Uh, you never order room service, so if somebody brings you room room service, they're here to kill you." Whoa! And she's just kind of got a use that like situational awareness to get through every day and she's got an end point she's got to be at a certain place in a certain amount of time and she has uh like a mission to accomplish before she gets there or she dies i see your jason Bourne memento mashup and raise you oh a mentos a mentos a 51st dates meets james bond as a girl Mm. Wow, because that's kind of what it felt like to me. Because she's got to like remember herself over and over and over again, and she kicks ass and she fumbles through it. It was pretty cool. Never saw Fifty First Dates. Me neither, but I like Adam Sandler. Oh, you know she's got memory issues from a car accident, and she has to remember who she is every day. So he's constantly going on that first date. It's just like a rom com memento. Yeah, meets Mentos. <laughs> meets a minty chewable candy. Well, we've got an Akira reference in here. It looks like. Oh, yeah. Did you read the backup story, Justin? I didn't. There's an Akira bike in there. She's, uh, the, the backup story is like this kind of cartoony artwork, and it's the same character, and she's talking to an old woman, and it gets super meta when they start talking about other comics in the Black, Black Crown? Yeah. Black Crown series. They don't talk about it. They, they, they don't talk about it as if they're in world. They talk about it, I think, as if the books are in world or something like that. It's it's not, yeah, it, it's a little bit off to the side. It's really bizarre. I didn't even <clears throat> realize there was a backup at all. It wasn't that I skipped it. I just didn't know it was there. <laughs> there's a backup, and then there's a giant preview for uh, Punk's Not Dead. You guys like the art in this, too, the right? It's awesome. It yeah. reminds me of, uh, is it Stephen Bond who did all that old image stuff? And a, and a little bit That's of... That's a deep, deeper cut than I got for you, buddy. Reminded me a little bit of uh, the guy that does Ice Cream Man, Morazzo. At times it kind of reminds Marazzo. me of uh, Riley Rossimo in a weird way. And other times... Yeah, it's cool. Um, the way they lead you through the memories and how she interacts with the world and you know how she's genuinely clueless and then becomes more efficient throughout the thing, uh, I thought was pretty believable. Um, I like that we get to see her complete a mission in this first issue. Yeah. Yeah, and I like what I perceive as the kind of what makes her special and why she's the main character. There was yeah. some cool stuff there. Yeah, I'll definitely. What are they? Why is she special? What is. She, that she, final ad for Punk's Not Dead at the end is also. Really she nice. might be yeah. a test subject of some kind of like pill form super internet thing, like super intelligence, but <laughs> her memory's all kadunkled, so she can't Ooh. access it. Like Like downloadable kind of downloadable intelligence virus kind of yeah yeah it's i i don't know man this this is this is what i wish vertigo was putting out right now so then what do you guys give it score wise wounder boys 
I give it an ocho. Yeah. Oh, I love when he says the ocho. God, I I can't seem to remember my score if I only had a downloadable intelligence that could tell. Oh, ocho. <laughs> Good comic. Good and comic. Like, I mean, what we got like four of them or something, and even having it on my pick, it hasn't it hasn't really moved, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's a cool comic. Yeah. And tying into our next book, which is a Wonder Comics book, isn't it insane that Matt Fraction is writing a Jimmy Olsen book under the Wonder Comics imprint? I'm kind of excited. I'm super excited, and the with, cover looks awesome. With Steve Lieber? Oh, I feel like he's art. doing the art. With the Lieb, yeah. Hey, guys, Lieb I'm going to blow my nose. You, you have, like, a sound effect you can put over this? Yeah. <laughs> It's I'm I'm pretty excited for uh, the Jimmy Olsen book, and then I forget the other one that's launching around the same time. Oh, Lois Lane. Yeah, yeah. Who's so doing that? I Rucka. forget who. Rucka. Yeah. Holy Whoa. shit. Rucka. This this comic also gave me crazy feelings this week. It really did for me too, in the same way that number three did. But this is mostly centered around um, Jaina and Zan, both. Going on a date. Yeah, two different dates. Two very different dates. Uh, and Zan, it just embodies the whole, like, the deep, you know, Zan is just the deep wisdom of a totally nonchalant Ophis. And then Jaina is the think too much, stress too much, and more intelligent. But what what is the actual benefit of intelligence when you're sort of unable to enjoy anything? The wisdom of a fool and, and the, the plight of a smart person. Yeah. And uh, she ends up going on a date with a real piece of shit. Named <laughs> Red Flag. Yeah, who's like <laughs> training out to be. Oh, so <laughs> they go on a date this night and Superman's like, oh, yeah, you can have the night off because tonight's actually the the annual Legion of Doom like juicer where all of the we, there's no crime this night because all of the vis- <laughs> vi- villains get together for this sort of like social hour and it, that happens to include the league of annoyance yeah nice which is like a sub sub bad guy team but it's i that's a classic mark russell <clears throat> bit you know the idea that all the bad guys would get together once a year or something to have this like social hour but the real like heart of it is that like zan goes to a movie with this girl and she's like oh there's my ex-boyfriend trevor and he's like oh let's go say hello and he just like nothing faces him just like from being dumb but also maybe it's just being so wise that things don't affect you so she goes and talks to him and like we get this awesome sort of page illustrating both dates at the same time and one is zan and this girl sitting down and ultimately her ex-boyfriend comes and sits with them and they're all sharing, and he's, like, clearly trying to hit back on this girlfriend. He's crying, and Zan reaches over. He said, psst, Trevor, Trevor. And he's, you want some popcorn? <laughs> like, it's just this, like, super nice dumb guy. Um, and and Jaina, like, doesn't know how to really respond to this guy who's an asshole that she shouldn't be around. And, like, what do I owe this guy? And then they meet up with Zan at the end. And she said, how'd the date go? And he said, Great. Um, Debbie and I saw Gun Cop, and he's like, ah, oh, but she got to get back together with her ex-boyfriend. And uh, and she says, oh, Zan, I'm so sorry. You okay? He says, sure. Just because someone isn't into you doesn't mean you can't have a good time with them. And it's just like, damn. that That's a huge misconception in our society that For gets sure. in the way of everything. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just that is like the ultimate 
evolved standpoint on pursuing relationships, I think. That her asshole boyfriend keeps being like, oh, you got friend zoned. He's like, friend zoned? Uh, he's like, you were trying to score on a chick and ended up becoming her friend. He said, we're, we're 17. Like, even if we had gone out, we would have broken up in a couple of months. But now this way, we'll stay friends forever. So that's pretty cool. But like, like the, the, the line that hit me, he's like, you were trying to score on a chick and ended up becoming her friend. And Zan says, yeah, I know. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I just, I love that. Yeah, for me, it was the... Just because someone isn't into you doesn't mean you can't have a good time with them. Because, yeah. you know, dates are a thing that I actively avoided terrifyingly. Because, like, what if it's not going well? And it's like, well, just because you're not into somebody doesn't mean you can't also be buddies with them. I really liked how their their science friend, um, like their, their science fair buddy, who is the daughter of, of one of the League of Annoyance, She's like, uh, no, I don't want to walk home with you guys. That's when I do my best thinking. Oh, and, that page. Oh. And and uh, Jane is like, what do you think she talks about during those long walks? And, and Zen's like, I don't know, boys probably. And the next panel is the girl walking home. She's like, testicular cancer is such a weird disease. I mean, it's almost always caused by germ cells with too many chromosomes. And she like, as she's walking home, she's solving the problem of testicular cancer. How to cure it, what the problem is, and what would fix it. Oh, God, of course. And then these two construction dickheads, like, hassle her, and she forgot. She's like, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, well. Check this one out, Frank. (laughs) Hot butter. You going to work, baby? Because it's working for me. Damn it, I lost my train of thought. Where are you going, sweet meat? Oh, well. So it's just like, I could cure testicular cancer. Oh, these guys have caused me to lose my train. Like, I don't know. That, that was just such a great... That's such a fucking cool the, thing. The beats of it were so good. And it's like, it. there's a lot of heavy-handed lessons in here, but he's got a very light touch with it. I think he's getting you know? better at it than he even was in Flintstones, which oh, yeah. was my high mark for him yeah. to this point. But this one... I'm not going to go so far as to say it's better than it, but it's it's more subtle. Um, it's not quite as much of a hodgepodge of issues. It's this and Red Sonia, which I know I don't. I, don't, I think I'm probably I'm the not, only one yeah. at the table reading, but <clears throat> Red Sonia is doing exactly the same thing, but with fucking chainmail bikini Red Sonia. It's mm. it. This guy's a national treasure. He yeah. is. Actually, this is one of my, I believe, two tens for the week. Oh. So I'm giving this one a ten. It, Fuck yeah. It is not, it, it doesn't take a lot of work to get into it, but I get as much out of it as the comic books that I do put a lot of work into, like, you know, Grant Morrison books or Jonathan Hickman books. So I know your other ten. Yeah. Symbiote um, Spider. Symbiote Spider-Man, Spider-Man number <laughs> two. Uh, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Really good. Really good. <laughs> really, really good. Uh, who wants to lead me down this ice cream path? <coughs> In space. Oh, that was clever. You like that? I did. I did like that. Uh, yeah. got good bits. He's got good bits. He's got good bits. He's got good junk. It's the Alka-Seltzer, boys. <laughs> uh, this follows a dude in space. Oh, so nice. He named it twice. Uh, and he's he's... Flying a ship and fuck. I know. I wanted to go to those. Fuck. Live yeah. action. Like the oh, movie yeah. theaters were doing all the first, like the Batman The first movies. one's my favorite Batman movie. The one that they showed on free comic book day? Yeah. Like fuck. a bunch of jerks? Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Ain't no freaking bat. <laughs> but I thought you. it'd be fun to go see the one with Mr. Freeze because I definitely loved that movie when it came out. Fuss Gossam and Zenza Wild. The Iceman <laughs> Cometh. So, Ice Cream Man, speaking of the Ice Man coming. I can't do it. My brain stopped. 
Justin. Ooh. Gosh. I didn't read it. No. Um, <laughs> space. The Final Frontier. In space! Oh my yeah, I was God. doing this it's, whole bit. It's uh, still so you, good. You, can, you, you don't have to stop, Justin. Uh, fuck. What, what was my train of thought? Um, In space, the Final, the frontier. final frontier. Um, These are the voyage of, of the... Holy shit. We pride <clears throat> ourselves on this thing, and we're just pooping out deuces here. Well, what else would you poop out? <laughs> That's true. Dude, this guy, he's in space, and it's fucking crazy. He, can you imagine the weight of rebirthing the entire Earth genome on another planet? What I like this, the way that they presented that in this. Yeah, it's like Noah's Ark, but it's through this technology mechanism that's kind of like a giant quantum memory. It's just uh, like data, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Space Spiders, which this whole thing has had a Stephen King vibe to me, and now Space Spiders... Had a Lost in Space vibe to me with the space spiders. For sure. Uh, you know, it is a giant spider alien race, so that's that's what it, I thought of. Have y'all seen Lost in Space? Uh, I saw the one where they flow through the sun and then like... Yeah, that's what I mean. You remember yeah. when that metal thing comes oh. out? He's shooting spiders like oh, this. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, the mask, though. Oh, that, so cool. Is that the one with Joey? Yeah, yeah he friends. puts that metal he face on. Yeah, it goes... For one scene, it happens, but and it's so lava, and he gets yeah. the the blue alien space spider, and you remember the bad doctor turns into a giant one. Yeah, that movie I think needs to be watched again. Yeah, I think like, you guys should keep it precious because it seems like you liked it. I did. We can fly through the sun. They fly through the fucking through the sun. Yeah, with their face shields. I bought a book that had the blueprints for all the ships when I was a little boy. Man. From danger, Hastings. will. I would yeah. caution you guys to not watch it again. Have you seen it recently? Just when it came out. It was not. I know Dude, my the girl who played like Penny, it. I had a huge crush on. My dad was like, yeah, let's go. He bought me all the robots to him. Nice. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was super into the movie, but my parents were like. Anyway, Ice Cream Man. Um, <laughs> In space. Oh, fuck. Have it I... was just not do Ice Cream Man. <laughs> Have I told you about my favorite menu item at a restaurant? It's called Existential Dread. Um, I order it every time. <laughs> every day when I wake <laughs> up. Uh, I go the, I go to my favorite restaurant called You Shouldn't Be Thinking About This, and I order <laughs> Existential Dread. And it feels a lot like this book, but this book is the best that, that dish has ever been cooked. Um, <laughs> We're following a guy who, like... Basically, gets out of a space spider attack and lands on this planet. His task is to use this giant cube prism to repopulate the Earth on a different planet. And he runs into the ice cream man. He does. Yeah, and ice cream man has kind of left his ice cream man form and is this kind of primordial, like we've all kind of said, this primordial chaos being. Um, have you got. Anyway. And it really visually, like, harkened back to the. Issue, I think it was number nine, which is that one of like the timeless planet before they came to Earth, and he's like dealing with all the spider stuff. There's spiders yeah. throughout the, yeah. the whole thing. First they issue, spider, yeah. For, yeah, yeah. The, the cowboy kills a spider when they're out in the desert. I wonder uh, if there's a spider in every single issue. I want, yeah. I don't. That's not how you sell a fucking comic book. <laughs> and uh, the well, there's a spider like uh, hieroglyph, and all the hieroglyphs are referencing the previous issues, which is really <sighs> cool. Just another amazing thing. He runs into a hallucination guy. Uh, he encounters like a, a plant that seems to have some psychedelic spores on it, causing hallucinations. Yeah, or not. Or not. Yeah, exactly. But Ice Cream Man kind of tells us what we're supposed to think about Ice Cream Man. You know. He, and what was that, Justin? He's a bad idea. 
he's the thing in your head that kills all joy. He's like he's skepticism, he's self-doubt, he's anxiety, he's he's that thing that kills your head. He says, what does he say? You know how many people have pointed a gun to me? Need I explain again the folly of trying to kill an idea? Um, I'm that I'm a bad thought, Noah. And that guy's name's Noah. I didn't realize. Like that. the Ark, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the voice in your head. I think he's just the ego and everything that comes with that. I love how this book has created, particularly the Ice Cream Man, but the Dark Cowboy is in this one as well. I love how they're kind of just umbrellas, like really vague umbrellas for you know light and dark, but like yeah. you know the voice of the the. It's everything. It can mean so much because it's so all-encompassing and vague. Like I, I really like that about this. Did you guys catch it when the ice cream man takes off in the ship? And, and it's got, got the colorful music. notes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's playing with like tropes. You know, eternal good guy, bad guy, paragon. But he's yeah. doing it in such an unconventional, beautiful way that he's kind of telling every story that needs to. Be, yeah. Uh, this one was a solid nine. Um, I would give this one an eight point five. I really liked the last third of it. I'm gonna give this one an eight. I've, I know a lot of people have either gotten the first issue and been like, "Eh, I didn't grab me," or Volume One <coughs> didn't necessarily grab them. I think it really starts to sink in in Volume Two. Kind of what's For going sure. on. I would I would highly recommend people make it through two volumes of this book because it's one of our favorite things. If you didn't dislike Volume One, you're gonna love Volume Two. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You like metal? <laughs> oh, did you read this? No. Jenga, you're the only guy who read this. Like, tell me about Murder Falcon, I'm number sleeping eight. On it. I fell off a couple of times. I've this never is read the a end. single issue. This is the end of Murder Falcon, guys. Can, you, can we let out a real big spoiler warning and then have Jenga tell us about what hit him so hard? Oh, uh, yeah. If you don't want to get spoiled for this comic, oh, skip you, this one. Justin, feel free to leave the room also. I know you have been reading... No, at least no, no, half no, of care. it. But you're about you're about to get Daniel Warren Johnson, who apparently is known for just fucking your heart. Is he? Yeah. I... Extremity, like halfway through, had a big heart fuck moment. Really? Like pissed <clears throat> and, and enraged, and also inflamed people with love. That's like, awesome. Yeah. This so yeah so the the volume two of this has been kind of uh, the band. Hey, Brayden. Roman? Yeah. Oh, you want to come record a podcast? <laughs> I forgot you were doing it tonight. Actually, I just stopped in to return comics. You out there eating hot dogs in the night? <laughs> I just got off the museum. You're still recording? Still? Did you guys tell him? Yeah, he's real sick. Sick. Or, yeah. or drunk. I'm no, right. I'm sick. He's real sick. He hasn't, hasn't, hasn't drank anything. Um... Everybody, you're not going to guess what just happened, but uh, we're up here in the old Papatorium making sure that uh, everybody's safe in our little uh, penthouse, and we heard the door to the shop open. And And this 9 went to a 10. And this 9 went to a 10. It got a lot heavier in here all all of a sudden. sudden, There's um, something on the table. You don't have a mic, though. I don't have a a mic. (laughs) This is a problem. This is a problem. I don't know if it's a good idea. Yeah, this might not be a good idea. Okay. <laughs> Just hang out in this room with us. Yeah. Okay. I'll Smell listen. it. <laughs> Jump in uh, if Justin hasn't read a book or something. Did you read Murder Falcon? No, I didn't. Okay. None of us did. So volume two of Murder Falcon has been basically uh, Bruticus, the metal band that um, Murder Falcon's human contact was in, uh, ends up in China or Japan. And uh, 
kind of teaming up with humans to try to figure out how to fight the kaiju monsters that are coming up. So they're getting like other bands to show up and team up with them and they have to they have to figure out how to fight off this big worm monster. So they're going on tour? Basically, yeah. And they're like That's cool. they're talking to uh, like these, this U.S. general on a battleship, and he's like, "Well, look, guys, uh, these monsters don't really get hurt by our weapons, so we can't help you there, but we can help you with some amplification." And on the front of a battleship, like a, a, a what is that called? An, a, a carrier on the on the front of a battleship carrier, they have just stacks and stacks of speakers, and the bands are playing on that to fight the. To is fight that the a monsters. Giant statue of Lemmy from Motorhead. I think it is, yeah. And so, like, you know, of course they they go through this whole thing. They have this big fight and they save the day. And um, where did you make water? What? Didn't you make water in this? Yeah, I was getting there. Oh, I'm so sorry. Jacob. Wait, making water is peeing. No, 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 no. Face water. Face water. Yeah, when did you face water? Ladies and gentlemen, Roman's here. Whoa, where the fuck did you come from, guy? Howdy, heaven. He was yeah, you're telling me. Dogs. Um, so at the end, the main character dies. What the fuck? Surrounded by all his friends. And uh, he, uh, he says, can I say goodbye? And the person who's taking him away to the afterlife says, of course. And he says, will they be able to hear me? And uh, they say only in their dreams. And so then he has a few minutes or like a few sentences with each one of his band members and friends. And Ronnie James Dio. To just say his last words to them. And dang, it was it was touching. Because um, he like halfway through this series, we found out that he had cancer. And that's kind of why he was a jerk to his bandmates, and like they, that's why they all had a falling out originally. Wow! And so by Dude, the end I of this, read this, he actually oh dies, God. and it's it's crushing. Um, he, I would not have expected wow. that from like the first two issue, two or three issues I read. Yeah. yeah, the art's gorgeous. Ronnie James Dio shows up to take him to the afterlife. I don't even like metal, and this is awesome. Which is cool because Dio died of cancer too. There you go. Nice. There you go. Um, yeah, I I would uh, I'd throw this I'd, I'd throw this at the top of my pile again. I'm gonna give this book a ten. Hell yeah! Hey, high five, Django. Yeah, fuck yeah! I'm fucking. That's I, awesome. I love hearing Django like a book like that. That's <laughs> yeah. fucking great. Who else is in here? What? That's four high fives. Who? It must be a ghost. Oh no! Hey. Uh, Justin, I want to hear about these savage shorts from Vault Comics. Roman, did you read this issue? Not yet. Would Not you? Yet. Would you mind s- stepping in here for a second and you and Justin talking about this series and this issue? Huh? Okay. <laughs> oh, the seat's all warm. That's that Django. Good, good. <laughs> now you're the sick one, and I'm the one with uh, your whiskey. Oh, you're, damn! Still <laughs> well, I got some fortune cookies. <laughs> Roman, you ever say a couple things like compare? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Compare something to two things that it's clearly not, but it gets close. You ever do that? Like you, you go, I'm oh, sure, it's yeah. kind of like this, but it's not those things at all. Yeah. It's kind of like Alan Moore or Jonathan Hickman. The writing of this book, like it's very loquacious and really poignant and really powerful. Like the the way it's written and the dialogue is so powerful. It reminds me of Alan Moore or John Hickman 
without really stylistically being like him at all. But it's so like what that, is this? Who is it by? Yeah. Who's putting it out? But, uh, the Savage Shores, uh, Vault Comics by Rom V. Um, it's your boy. Sumit Kumar, uh, Vittorio Astone. Vault Comics, it's awesome Vault to hear Comics. about because they impressed me very much, but I haven't really been reading them, but I know Justin's been digging this. Yeah, yeah and I, I've been really liking it. And, and yeah, those two authors you said, and also there's like a thematically, there's like, or atmospherically, there's like a Joseph Conrad type for, of, oh, type for of sure. thing. Yeah. I think like it's very much, uh, I don't know what you would call Joseph Con- Conrad as a genre, but yeah. like river, genre, like river. Going in the jungle and going mad and conquering things. It is (laughs) one of the most intricately plotted, beautifully written books I've read. Like, I I don't know. I'm seriously really impressed by this book. I had to reread issue three before issue four just to kind of remember. It's a tangled yarn of of different motivations. I'm super excited for the paperback to come out. So, essentially, we have the East India Trade Company trying to seize this island that they want to open up to for trade routes like if if they can use this island they can cross to india quicker yeah or something don't cross the indias yeah they they can get to where they need to go quicker if they have permission of these people to use utilize their island as kind of a beacon and the east india trading company is utilizing vampires to seize this this island that is uh, kind of blocking up their trade path. And you don't know what the vampire's motivations are. But within that, there's kind of a, a war between two factions. Uh, of vampires? Of people on this okay. island. Like, I forget, I can't pronounce their names. But they're, one kingdom has just lost their king, and the, a boy is elected to be their new king. And he has a protector that is from Vedic mythology. He's like some kind of god or demon from that pantheon. Um, But he's laying real low and kind of in the shadows protecting him. And so a vampire goes there. That guy kills the vampire. And so this whole thing is based around kind of an investigation of by the vampires of who killed this vampire. All the while we're watching this kind of god figure being manipulated by these factions. So there's a bunch of different machinations going on. Um, he's also kind of in love for the first time. He's this internal being, or a first time in a really long time. Um, yeah, and isn't he in love with the uh, daughter of, is it one of the trade rulers or a, or a king? A king. A king. I, of the bad guy faction. Hmm. So there's multiple, there's a, essentially this war is causing a halt in the East India Trading Company from being able to seize this land, kind of like the Silk Road. Like it's, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, and it the dialogue is so well written. People are so there. It's very like wordy, but they speak so eloquently. Mm, yeah, and yeah, the way they work in Nosferatu and religion and like it's a classic vampire story without really feeling like it. It is so cool, and then it does some like real like goofy, not goofy. Not goofy. Like, really comic-y plot twist. Like, a very, like, Brian K. Vaughn, like, oh, shit moment that, yeah. uh, It's, I read this comic, and I was just like, this is why comics are fucking good. Do you have any interest? Sorry. Oh, and and the vampire, it's interesting, the vampires, like, when they first showed up, it's revealed that there's vampires. They don't feel like vampires in any other 
comics or media. It's it's like, oh, yeah, there's the vampire character. They just happen to be yeah. vampires on top of all their other characterizations and everything. I wish that I the early issues were all available, but, like, they're drastically out of print and super popular, and we can't get our hands on any of them. And I at first I thought it was just hype, but it's mm. it's a, a really high caliber book, and the art is amazing. Would you have any interest in reading other books by him? Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's doing a uh, Swamp Thing tie-in here pretty soon. I'm just curious if anybody read Paradiso. No, I want to read Paradiso okay. at this point. Um, I want to read Paradiso. I want to read all of his works at this. Like, he instantly became one of my new favorite up-and-coming authors. Um, yeah, this book, this issue, the past three are all a 10 for me. Like, I, I wow. really, really wow. love this book. That's uh, super cool. It's colonization fiction. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. totally what Joseph Conrad is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it is a colonization of not just people or culture. It's like your soul. Yeah. That's what the vampires yeah, are very, there for. Yeah, that's primal colonization. Yeah. Four issues that in a row that Justin would have given a 10 to. So yeah. that is a really strong statement. So yeah. I, yeah. I really will be ordering a lot of this paperback for the store largely based on Roman and Justin's enthusiasm for it. So I cannot wait to read it. I just like, it just blows me away. It's there. I mean, a lot of biases, a lot of themes that I've been thinking about, you know, politically and stuff lately. And I'm a sucker for like, you know, Victorian kind of shit. And they're doing such like the vampires in the East India Trader company. Which one is worse? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Roman, can I get a score from you? I haven't read this issue yet, okay. the latest okay. issue, but I'll give the first three. Yeah, I would, I would give those nine, ten. I mean, ah, this is beautiful. I can't wait to read this issue. Oh, it's so good. Along and what these, they do, don't look at that last page. Okay. I just love this poem on the back. Along these savage shores where the days are scorched and the nights are full of teeth. Yeah, it's fucking cool. So fucking cool. Beautiful cover. Who read Excellence Number 1 by Brandon Thomas uh, with art by Carrie Randolph? Didn't I sure there. did. Django, you read it. Roman, did you read this? I did. So, Django, you and I, let's let's talk about this book to our good friends. This is a new image number one. Uh, I always love checking in with image number ones. This book is sort of a future techno magic take. Yeah. Does that sound right? With uh, big family tree action. And... <laughs> A big thing for me is that not throughout the whole se- issue, but in about seven panels, there is an inarguable use of Michael B. Jordan as your character reference. <laughs> and that is a real big thing for me. Oh, my God. Me. That's Michael B. Jordan, right? Inarguably. Yeah. And that happens a good number of times. And it's not for a lot of the panels. But a handful, the dude looked at a picture of Michael B. Jordan and drew him. And he looked at a picture of Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger, right? I thought more Creed 2. Oh, there's personally. Creed 2 versus Killmonger. In yeah, this because scene. there is a character. The dude with the a hair. A second character yeah. is also using him as a photo reference, and he, it is definitely Killmonger. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really interesting thing. If you thought it was interesting to read Ultimates by Mark Millar and see Freddie Prince Jr. as facial reference and that sort of stuff, it's fun. it's fun to do that. Um, this book dragged in some spots and I thought was pretty cool in some other spots. It's a cool, it's got, 
it's not at all like Harry Potter, but there are elements of it that feel a little bit like that. The underappreciated kid who wants to learn magic and is falling behind because he's not, it hasn't come to him yet. With magic and wands. And magic and wands. But there's, what I do like about it a lot is that there is some really cool dialogue and characters. This young boy has a really tight relationship with his grandmother who gets very sick at the end. That's where everything kind of comes together and the thrust of this story becomes created. But it's a story mostly about fathers and sons and that's identified uh, in the write-up by the author. But also clearly as you're you're reading it, you're seeing that and and the sort of tainted relationships between fathers and sons, which I think is pretty interesting. I like that the main character, uh, like when he goes through his trial, and he's got to get this couple to get together. They're, they're like on a first date. And he does it in a way that nobody really expects him to. He kind of breaks a rule to make the larger goal yeah. of what they're trying to do work. But it breaks a rule. So it's that question of, is it okay to break a rule to serve the greater good? And he's rewarded for it. My complaint about it is that it seems, and not even a complaint, but uh, it seems like there's a lot of internal consistency to the world and the school and the rules and they weren't very clear to me. Did you, I, so just talking about it just now, I realized that there are four rules on page one that I skipped. I for sure read those. Okay, but you're ahead of me. My <laughs> moments of uh, struggle with the internal consistency is sort of this trial to be, if you succeed at it, you're seen as something, what the trial is and what it's ultimately indicating as what this group of magicians are doing is, yeah. is is difficult to me. I don't know if it's like extra dimensional or outside of time or if they're serving the good or preventing a thing. It's almost like Brandon Thomas knows what's going on and forgot to tell us. And, and it, it doesn't quite feel like a story choice. And it's, while I think the art is really nice, it it what the images are all very good, Michael B. Jordan, um, but it is confusing at times. Yeah. It doesn't clearly go from point to point with the images. And that I think is a thing that will come with doing some more issues because it is great art as it is, but it it's a little uh, confusing. It's like if they had hired a cover artist to be doing a lot of interior artwork, which is <laughs> what happened with Final Crisis. <clears throat> yeah. Um, plug for our future Final Crisis episode where Django and Justin and Jeff are going to read Final Crisis and sit down and talk about it in an in-depth Infinity Content way while Infinity Content, Roman, Trevor, and Colton talk about Final Crisis. Then we're going to have these two episodes come up. So everyone look forward to that. Buy a Final Crisis copy, read it, hate it, and listen to our episode in the future. (laughs) I give this a 6.0. I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. Uh, the the jumpiness of the world bugged me, and I didn't really have a clear idea of who was who in here, nor did I care that much. But the the action was a lot of fun, and the the parts of the story that did work for me worked really well. I'm also going to give it a six point uh, There were parts that worked worked quite well, and there were parts that showed uh, things clearly not working, and. I, I also kind of like seeing that. I like seeing inside a machine and seeing, you know, it, it's it was clearly indicated with what my struggles were with it. So I like that. It's a it's a cool comic book. I like at the end they've got this uh, glyph written uh, on the back page yeah. and it's in this foreign language, but we know like a quarter of those letters, so we could almost crack this code, but we it can't. Says yet. It says excellence on top, but we don't know what those other two letters are. Words yes. are maybe. 
so unprofessional, guys. I'm sorry. No, oh, but it's going to be unprofessional is is when I edit all of your sneezes together, back to back, as our intro. Nice. Nice. So that was excellence. Hey, Roman, did you read Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six? I did. God damn did, it, I'll get out of my seat again. Did you, Django? Let me look no. at it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So, oh. Django, oh, yeah. from what I heard is that you did not read this, but you spoiled the end for Justin. <laughs> did I? Yeah, you flipped through it and said... Well, so spoilers, Whoa. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, I want to get it right out there. This was my second ten of the week. I think this wow. is a yeah. fucking great comic book, and it's wonderful for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is that it does a cool, and it's not out of nowhere, but it, it there's a twist at the end that reframes the whole issue. If you don't want to hear that, uh, skip ahead, you know, six minutes, and uh, you'll miss <laughs> it. But I do want to, I want to talk about that in this conversation. I won't say anything about it, but Django flipped to the last page and went, "Whoa, buddy, you're gonna have a hard time with this thing." And I happened to see a skin tone, and I saw the head of the character on the last one. I was like, "Oh, I am gonna have a rough." Well, time I already said that whole thing about skip it, so let's yeah. might as well just t- let's talk about it, right? <laughs> I, I mean, thought you'd already read it when I said that. No, I just picked it because I liked the cover with Spider Bite. If oh, you give me, God a- damn it! <laughs> so this issue is Spider Man on a battle with in a battle with this nine and a half year old Spider Man in a very similar. Named Spider Bite. Named Spider Bite. I saw that this was Justin's pick, and I thought, well, he loves Spider Ham. Like, this is a, a cool new kid's sidekick to Spider Man. I it. could totally see why he would love that. The costume designs are perfect. The Dr. Octopus is my favorite Dr. Octopus costume, like from the animated series with the green and the orange. Uh, I, I love The art it. is great. The, yeah, so Juan Cabal is one of the, like, a year ago, Marvel was doing their Young Guns that, like, Russell Dowderman was a part of, Marco Cicchetto, and this guy was one, but he hasn't done much stuff. Um, and, yeah, do you, anybody want to talk a little bit more? I'll, I'll You know me, I'll just go. Um, Spider-Bite and Spider-Man kind of are going on this fantastic adventure chasing um, the villains across. A select, a well, doc- it's the Sinister Six, Justin, but something happens. Oh. It's the Sinister Six. Sinister Sixty, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> Mysterio is hiding some of them. Um, this whole thing has a wild magical logic to it that I love. <laughs> like a childish yeah. magical logic yeah. to it. Exactly, yeah. There was actually people here in the Sinister Sixty. I was like... I counted who, them. Who I counted that? 59. <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> yeah, but I, so Who's I maybe just missed one. Well, the sixtieth, I didn't see Stiltman in there, and that's who shows oh, up next. Course. So it okay, could have been yeah. him. Yeah. And then the following page. So again, the art is gorgeous. <laughs> sixty characters on this double-page spread, and then the next page is sixty panels. Yeah. Oh, is it? So I didn't count. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. awesome. <laughs> so anytime a comic book makes me count things two times, I clearly know that I'm invested. See, Such I'm, a cool see, I'm way so to lazy. Do a I didn't count too. the panels. I was just like, oh yeah, this is cool. <laughs> so the art is gorgeous. It shows this double page right of the Spider-Man and his, you know, buddy sidekick. But as you're moving forward through it, it becomes more and more child imaginative logic and dream logic. It gets a little more conventionally unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it never gives it away. I, I was, I was like, how is what is going on here? How is this? How is this possible, even in the realm of you know Marvel comics? And context. they're chasing down this box the whole time. The kid's like, oh, yeah. the kid, there's the heart of the city. We have to chase it. And Spider-Man's like, All right, let's go do this. Let's let's grab it. And they get it from Stiltman at the end. Yeah, and there's no explanation of who this spider bite is, um, where he came from. I love that the guy's but, like, you're like eight. And he's like, eight? 
eight? I'm nine and a half. <laughs> nine and a half. And he's got a great expressive mask. I mean, his mask does the thing with the the black eyeliner part kind of it, – it, Iris's clothes and everything that shows expression. But as we get to the final like six pages, the backgrounds become more, you know, crayon and chalk colored and sketchy. So cool. Such a beautiful effect. And then what happens, boys? It is revealed that this has been a fantasy that Spider-Man is playing out with. Well, I I love how they reveal it, too. They're sitting on a rooftop. They open that box. It's a Mego Spider-Man figure. That's super articulated, and then the, and then Spider Bitey coughs, and and Spider Man takes his mask up, and you find out what's really going on. And that is that Spider Man is sitting on some lockers in a doctor's room, and he's sitting with a young, pale, bald, nine and a half year old boy who's got a Spider Man mask on and slippers, and you see all of the attendants at the doctor's office wearing the costumes of these villains from Spider Man, and they're all joining in on this thing uh, that is basically like a Make a Wish Foundation um, giving this nine and a half year old kid the perfect day where he gets to hang out with Spider-Man and everyone helps pretend that they, he's fighting the Sinister 60 yeah. and he gets and, to save the day. And and, his, and the kid's dad was Stiltman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I love that the heart of the city was this box that was a Spider-Man action figure and we have this moment where the kid kind of melts down. We're like, oh, that was a really good day. We got to get you to bed. And the kid just goes, I don't want to go to bed. And he yells really angrily. And everyone's a little bit embarrassed for him. And they're apologizing to Spider-Man. And they say, hey, can we come out and talk to you in the hallway? And uh, they're saying like, hey, we're sorry about that. But he's afraid to go to bed because he doesn't think he's ever going to wake up again if he goes to bed. Yeah. And he's like, well, does he have a coat? Is like, there anything he's got that's got like anything that's going to keep him warm? And they're like, yeah, we, he's got a coat. And he's like, all right, cool. And he just goes in there, and the kid's like, I'm sorry for yelling. Uh, and he says, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, you liked being Spider-Man for a day, right? He says, yeah, it was awesome. He's like, good, because there's one thing, and uh, and it's it, your day is not over. And it's Spider-Man holding this young kid in his normal outfit, zipping through New York at you know almost sunset. And... Damn it, if that's not one of the best single issues of Spider-Man that you get. Yeah. That's what Spider-Man is. Yeah. Yeah. There was that one issue that was written and drawn by Chip Zdarsky um, about a year ago in the (coughs) Peter Parker Spider-Man run Mm. that was a similar one-shot that just, I think this is better, but it was just a singular removed one-issue story about Spider-Man being Spider-Man. And this five issues of this series have been underwhelming to say the least and to have this issue come in and just be the most there's this great throwback panel to like the kid (laughs) helping spider-man lift this thing which is referencing when he's falling in the water and like lifting the thing up um it's the best thing about superheroes it's the best thing about comics and it's it's yeah i wow it it hits all the right notes at one point spider-man when they're still playing in the fantasy um, tell Spider Bite that that you know you're strong. You're stronger than you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's such a perfect message for any of our heroes yeah. to, to tell us. So this is why superhero comics exist, and it doesn't hurt to have it well written, and it doesn't hurt to have gorgeous art in it. And I don't know that the rest of the series is going to keep up with this, but um, 
it is it's a perfect comic book. It sold me with just a goofy new Spider-Man character that I thought was going to be like Spider, uh, like a Batmite or something, and it was so much more. It was, yeah. Yeah, and I got about halfway through, and I was like, okay, this is like a kid fantasy or something. Like something's going on, but it's so much better when you get there. And uh, the page. I thought it was going to be a spider bite, or like a, a sorry, a bat mite kind of thing. Like, oh, this is a turny, like topsy turvy reality thing, and it's so much. Yeah, better. I thought it was going to be some mysterious illusion or yeah, something. Yeah, I thought and... mysterious. So, <laughs> um, if you've been reading Spider Man, if you're a Spider Man fan, uh, I don't, I don't have a lot of like runs that I can point to as like this is your Spider Man run. Mm-hmm. But what I do have is a a really big handful of single issues like avenging spider-man where he and captain america draw comics or that chip zadarsky one or this one there are singular issues that exist that don't just show why spider-man is great but why superhero comics are great and and why it's wonderful that we have this job so this one was for me so justin i wouldn't have read this if you hadn't made it your staff pick it was the highlight of my week that was an amazing amazing comic book and uh i yeah wonderful yeah, yeah, I definitely give that one a ten. Yeah, it's a ten for me too. I'm really sorry that I spoiled it. I I truly thought you'd read it. Yeah, I just put it because you know you give me a goofy Spider-Man and that's gonna be my pick of the week regardless. But then it was actually an amazing comic as well. Yeah, hit real real close to home. So, uh, really really awesome week of comics. What we've got now is last week we had a voicemail and that is. I can't appreciate. I can't. I can't express how much I appreciate getting a voicemail or an email from folks. So, uh, thank you so much, Trevor, for sending us a voicemail. We got a, a voicemail from Nathan a couple weeks ago. This week we got an email from a really awesome new sub. We started shopping at the store just a couple months ago. His name is Andrew Carlson, and he is super friendly and has this incredible appetite for comic books and it's been really awesome to get to know him and have him in the store. He was in today. He was in today. Yeah. It's actually just. Uh, it's cool to do a podcast through our comic shop because we just get the most amazing customers in here. It's amazing to work at a comic shop because you get to meet these people who start this new routine of this new interest, and it's, it's wonderful and magical. So uh, this is an email from Andrew Carlson. It says, hey, guys, this is Andrew who stops in the store way too many times each week, and I, I have a couple questions. They are the following one. What is your favorite hero, DC or Marvel, whether it be for art, character development, or crazy powers? Two, uh, same question, but for villains. And then three, I'm so glad that Roman showed up. Because three is, have you read the original Rocket Raccoon series by Bill Mantlo? And if so, what are your thoughts? I know it's probably a not well-read series, but God, it's weird and good. Uh, And he said he enjoys the podcast. So thank you so much, Andrew. All right, everybody. I think we've had a second to think about it. Who wants to go first? Uh, my favorite hero is Batman. If I'm limited to Marvel and DC, definitely Batman. If you weren't limited to Marvel and DC, probably the Shadow. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Shadow and then Batman. Okay. Um, and I don't. I was thinking about trying to do one for Marvel, but I don't know. I don't super identify with any of the any of the Marvel heroes. You like Wolverine a lot. I like Wolverine, but I like I like some Wolverine stories. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I I'm not a big old knucklehead for Wolverine. Yeah. I read a lot of Wolverine comics, but it's it's more about the 
it's not about the character for me. It's about the setting and and the kind of the. You model so much of what you look like off of him. Yeah, no. well, you go into public, you go to a comic convention or a retailer summit with Django, and everyone's like, "Nice Logan costume, nice Wolverine costume." <laughs> yeah, he's you got the leather know? brown leather belt like Hugh in that movie. You got wolf tickets to pass out like Wolverine's got a jerky. Yeah, my my facial hair is modeled after Sabretooth oh, by Leo Shriver. Where's your favorite villain at? <laughs> Man, it's got to be the Joker. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that, and and you guys are probably going to, you probably have plans on on uh, derailing this idea of mine, but I think that- Would you uh, like to burn you down? The the heroes are made by their villains, and if if I've got Batman as a favorite hero, I, I, don't, I don't see how you can have a Batman without a Joker at this point. Um, I mean, I know- he didn't have him in the first issue or anything, but I think Batman and Joker are like point and counterpoint. Um, I would not, however, say that Schwan Khan is my favorite if I'm allowed to have the shadow as my favorite <laughs> good guy. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. Shut up. Fuck you. A million years ago doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> um, my favorite heroes, I think, are sort of two i have a really hard time distinguishing it i would say uh batman because there are more batman stories than i love that i love than any other hero there that's my favorite superhero stories in general are batman i I enjoy reading him the most um from an entertainment enjoyment standpoint i would say from an aspirational level superman is there because I think he's the perfect hero. So, but I, but I think that the the Superman stories are more hit and miss. Whereas I think that I have a more success rate with Batman stories. But in terms of where they live in my subconscious and everything, you know, Superman would be there. Uh, I got to be similarly, and Marvel's got great heroes too. Reed Richards is up there. Uh, other other folks, Reed Richards, Spider Man is way way up there. Spider Man seems like uh, Marvel's Superman to me as far like. Even more than Captain America. I would that, yeah, I like that idea. To me, it's it's very not that because uh, Spider Man is the ultimate like fallibility and equal to identify with a superhero. Whereas Superman's on the exact opposite end of it, where he's he's perfect and therefore aspirational and st- and still able to be humble and kind. Yeah, yeah, but like sure. Spider Man is is so flawed that I identify with him. But so I would say you know Batman, Superman, and Spider Man, and then for my villains. Uh, I'll be similarly wishy-washy. Um, my favorite character villain my whole life growing up has always been the Green Goblin. I think that it's just the best fucking costume. I love it. I'll read anything that he's a villain in. I, I love him to death. Well, Spider-Man's the Joker. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And then when I was a little boy, I remember being like seven and sitting on the front yard of my childhood home talking to my dad, and I asked him that question. I said, who's your favorite bad guy? And he told me Dr. Doom. And I, I was like, that is some boring ass shit. Um, but then the older I got, uh, the more I love him. And then after reading Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four run that I talk about exhaustingly in here, uh, he is that. He's the bad guy that's not a bad guy. He is, you know, he's the perfect bad guy, I think. And then, uh, so that. And then Venom. And Carnage. I it's I know it's dumb, but like it's from a childhood impact that it makes on you. I think Venom is the coolest 
you know, six-year-old Jeff was like, who the fuck is that? And that never went away. <laughs> so that's three characters for each. And it looks like uh, a lot of them are, the bad guys are Marvel and the good guys are mostly DC. Those are mine. Um, mine are for DC with no real basis. I'd say Dead Man is my favorite superhero, maybe of all time. Well, and that's been true for years. I love Dead Man. Yeah. He rarely shows up in comics. It's well presented. Uh, I read all of Flashpoint because there was a Dead Man character in there. I uh, love mainly because there's a lot of cartoons with Dead Man, and he's so quirky and cool. Um, a second for DC is The Question. I love The Question. I remember the first time I saw him watching Justice League when I was a kid and falling in love and watching that episode quite a bit. But question, so, again, isn't in a whole lot of stuff. The Vic Sage question. Yeah. Not the yeah. Renee Montoya? Yeah, yeah. Vic Sage. He he showed up and he had he had the crazy person wall and the conspiracy theory and he was really he had some really cool dialogue in the Justice League show and I just was like was like, who is this guy? Uh, Rorschach. So, yeah. I love <laughs> that's who that guy is. <laughs> uh, and then uh, DC villain and just, I don't really like villains that much. Like, I don't really, I was thinking, and besides, I really love the Joker. Like, as a character, as every role that he's ever been in, I love the Joker. And I also really love Scarecrow. Because uh, I resonate as, like, being kind of a scaredy cat. And he's, like, the lord of fear. Mm. And fear is something That's that I, li- I live with all the time. So I'm like, fuck you. you you're more dangerous than anyone gives you credit for. Um, and Mysterio. I like a lot, too. Oh, good one. Cause, you know, Not the, just because it's the best costume ever. <laughs> yeah. Just the illusions you could play on your mind, you know, what you could do with that. Um, and then Spider-Man, you know, he was my first favorite everything. Like, yeah. I, that was the first word I knew how to read. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I remember st- uh, getting a Spider-Man pop-up book and, r- like, recognizing letters sounded out the sound. And uh, I had a Spider-Man. I didn't my parents painted a giant Spider-Man mask on my ceiling. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I had half my walls were blue and half were yellow, and then the big red was up there. So my whole room, I had Spider-Man wallpaper, Spider-Man bedding. I had no idea about that. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, dude. I was obsessed with Spider-Man. I used. I to, was too, but I didn't have the, the walls. Yeah, my my mom went all out and did that. And I used to jump up and down on the couch and watch uh, the black suited. Spider-Man episode all like, oh, every man. night before bed. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I love that guy. I recently found a bunch of note cards that I had drawn for my dad when I was like six, and they were all just like oval drawings of the Scorpion and Spider-Man and Green Goblin, and oh, like it's the fucking... dumbest, most horrible representations. But I, they're like my favorite fucking thing in the world now. I selfishly, I also have to throw. I didn't think about it, but uh, Dark Side. Oh, is, he's a good villain. Is. Uh, one of my favorite villains in the entire world, and that's a from Grant Morrison. But uh, I was gonna say, Dark Side is maybe my. Uh, it's got so hard to narrow it down, but maybe one of my top villains. Roman, this is you're the guy that all of these questions are the most interesting from. Favorite not, hero, not, favorite villain, that, but... and I think that you're the only one who's read the original Rocket Raccoon series. I did, but oh, this question makes me want to reread that, Andrew, because I read it when it came out. So what, 1984? Sure. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> I remember the art was really cool, and yeah, it was weird, but I couldn't tell you the name of any characters other than Rocket. Was that the one where Rocket had, like, an Australian accent? Yeah. I, that's what I read in my head, Australian accent Rocket, yeah. Andrew, you're the expert on that <laughs> series at this point. Yeah, we you are. I'd love to hear your <laughs> thoughts on it, man. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'd love to reread it. Um, 
Darkseid, one of my top villains. Two-Face is actually up there because especially when I was a kid, I was really fascinated with that, the duality. And I was like, why, why he's such, he's handsome on one side and all scarred and gross on the other. And he's got like split personality and he does everything by flipping the coin. I just thought that was so cool. I used to, I would c- c- get quarters and scar them all up and <laughs> pretend to be Two-Face. That makes a lot of sense, buddy, uh, because you're Roman, the guy who works at the comic store and also the museum, and then you're also poopy, whoopy, doopy, 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 Django, oh, man, oh. You're saying I have personality issues? <laughs> um, we all do. We all do. No, that's true. That's why. Not me. That's why we're a family. Except for fucking sick boy in the corner. <laughs> um, favorite superheroes, uh, DC, oh, Superman. Just like you were saying, the aspirational thing, and also the fact that he's just such a decent guy. He's I mean, I mean he's decent's such, a good way to describe. Yeah, he's Superman. Such, such a good guy. You know, farm kid. I always loved all that. He could do. He's kind of almost godlike, but he's humble. Kind of godlike. Well, depending on which run you read. That boy's a god. <laughs> okay, okay, especially the Christopher Reeve one. Um, Marvel is tougher for me because it would either be Spider Man or Ben Grimm. I, I, you do love Ben Grimm. I do love Ben Grimm. He's such, I mean, because he's so tough and gruff. It kind of reminds me, Ron kind of reminds me of him away. He's, he, I mean, he looks so, he can look so scary and everything. he's got such a good heart. But he's got a heart of gold Ron and, and he would the be there for heart. you. I mean, you're always protected with him around. I would love to see a, a dead man Ben Grimm team Fuck up. Yeah. Just because you got, fucking well, just because you got these two, like just decent, good natured, down to earth Brooklyn guys yeah. hanging out, doing stuff. Well, that's what I love is De- dead man's like a good guy, but he's so sassy and you wouldn't get yeah. it. And then he's like, wait, 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 we should save this person. You know, I love yeah. that. Yeah. So plus, he, plus he's got a great visual. I, what's, yeah. the, what's the dead man comic to read? How do I, how do I know more about dead man? Cause I, he, I don't think that I have a, an idea of who he is. Um, probably the Neil Adams stuff from Strange Adventures, his original stuff. I never read it. I read the newspaper oh. comic when I was like oh, a damn. teenager. I'll bring it down for you all. I've, I've, I don't have the issues. Uh, I but mean, I've got I, a collection. Hardcover. Justin, I remember at the old store, you talking about Loving Dead Man, you talking about a story pitch that you had for oh, Dead Man yeah. that I think is awesome. But uh, at that, even you know as far back as then, I was like, fuck, I don't really know much about this character. He... Was in some Justice League episodes as a kid, and he was in Batman: Brave and the Bold in high school. And I just like from then on, I went and got every animated appearance of Dead Man in a comic that I could get. Um, so I like I got a lot of Batman the animated series, Batman the Family. Like he only showed up in books, you know. Uh, that, yeah. Anyway, just love the guy. I love that you had an era of your life where you could go and and hunt down issues like that. Because for me, I had to drive two hours to a comic shop. So like. There was no casually collecting comic books for me until I was in college. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, good. Oh, I was. I used to get twenty dollars of allowance and a week uh, on the weekends. Wow, yeah. that's yeah. a fat yeah. allowance. <laughs> Not man. when I was a kid. When I was in high school, my parents would give me twenty bucks to get me out of the house. Uh, <laughs> and Josh would drive me to Merlin's, and that's where I would go to get because you know twenty five cent back issues. My hands were always so filthy. But, you know, I was getting those Dead Man comics. Hmm. Well, um, um, can I say my Marvel yeah, villains? Yeah, yeah, please. Well, Green Goblin, yeah. But Kingpin. I love oh, the Kingpin. When he's done right. Yeah, yeah, just because he's a nor- – well, not normal, but he's human. And and kind of similar to Lex Luthor, but I, I, I just the Kingpin, he's visually – and I think 
he's more uh, sociopathic than Luther, maybe? Well, it's hard to say, but just visually, he's, he's more interesting than Luther. I love uh, it. I like the Kingpin, too. And he's actually gone toe-to-toe with Spider-Man, like, in a fist fight, and Luther can't do that with Superman. Well, I guess he can with the armor. Yeah. I just uh, snapped our shot for the podcast this week. We've got a, we're not going to do Django's a, the real-life dead man over there. We're not going <laughs> We're not going to do a comic cover for this episode. It's going to be a picture of what Django looks like this week. <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, I love gosh. you, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude, we love you. Um, episode 130 of a perfectly acceptable podcast. We just recorded it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Roman, thank you for just randomly, totally unannounced showing up two oh, thirds of the way you. through it. I'm glad, to, glad to drop in. And uh, Andrew, thanks so much for sending us a question. Like, we love talking about the week's comic books, but actually, my favorite part of this podcast is actually getting to have totally derailed conversations about comics with the three of you. So, uh, anybody that could send us questions about anything, it, it is awesome because I just I love talking to these folks about this thing that we all have in common and a total. Uh, jazz improv way. So thank you, Andrew. So can I can I uh, can I make a promise for next episode? Yeah, you're gonna feel we're gonna better? have we're gonna have to remember it. Yeah, okay. I'll well, edit it so I'll remember. Okay, I'd like us to do the same list. Yeah, but no dudes allowed. No okay. go, no boys. No boys. I like that because yeah. we just all listed only dudes for our first, second, yeah. third, fourth, and fifth choices. Yeah. yeah. And part of that is just, you know, like... Unfortunately, that's, that's what we grew up of on. a thing yeah. being 75 right? like, years old, yeah. If, I think if we were growing up now, we would have a very different uh, pool I that we would choose list from. I could even now, I think, yeah. but I would love yeah. the idea of us doing it next week. Yeah, I think, I think I'd like to tie next episode into the same list, but but without guys allowed. I think that's an awesome idea. We for sure. And so, Andrew, you will have... live on tomorrow, or sorry, well, <clears> next week. Uh, and if it was just based on costumes, dude, it would be that black and purple or that purple, gray and yellow Batgirl costume. Listen, motherfucker, we're not spoiling next week's conversation. <laughs> no, no, no it's, we not just on, said. it's not on costumes. Jango uh, <laughs> is just <laughs> sipping hot and sour soup over here. I'm losing it, boys. Uh, I'm Jeff, and it's really awesome to record a podcast with a man who is just skating on ice that's collapsing beneath his feet. I'm Django, and that that. Alka-Seltzer and whiskey was a bad idea. I should have just done two daytime ones and not mixed you up. You missed that, Roman. <laughs> yeah, I missed the adventure there. I'm Justin, and I'm watching the tail end of the Ouroboros spin here with Django Born. Django Ouroboronis. Ouroboronis. Ouroboronis, yeah. And I'm, I'm Roman. I'm, I'm really glad to have made it to here, especially Andrew's question. I love that. We're super fucking glad you made it, buddy. Did, um, you, guys, did you guys talk about Agents of Atlas? No. Nope. Okay. Next week. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening to us for 130 episodes. We've been doing this for a really long time now, guys. Wow. Yeah. Uh, over two years. So <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, boys and girls. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. God, with my luck, my mom's going to listen to this one. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Weird to say. Weird to say.